Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, a pleasure talking with so many people. Uh, really look forward. This is kind of the highlight of my week of doing the podcast. Um, and much appreciation for myself and Julie for all the comments and um, uh, appreciation. And so happy that so many of you guys are getting evals and coming to see me and getting into therapy. It really makes doing this program all the more worthwhile. Um, and I appreciate some of you guys have uh, sent me different topics. Um, we're going to eventually get to autism. Uh, another one was request for gender identity, uh, gender dysphoria. Another one is kind of the neuroscience and neurochemistry as uh, the artifact of effect as an artifact of, of trauma. Um, but this week, interestingly, uh, we're going back to one of the most popular topics that I get phone calls about, emails, text messages, and uh, requests for neuropsych evals, borderline personality disorder. Um, one person from different part of the world uh, emailed me that they were recently diagnosed with borderline, and I suggested listening uh, they found their podcast and it suggested listening to it and it wanted me to further explain it. And I, and I, I don't usually listen to the podcast once I do them. I just publish them. Um, you can see I don't do a lot of editing. Uh, but they said, can you, can you explain borderline personality really what it is? And uh, so this, some of this may seem repetitive, but again, I'm going off of the data uh, as an empiricist and what people are looking for. And I think this is something... That is definitely, um, there's something called the Carlet Report, which is a publication, I think it comes out of Massachusetts, uh, highly reputable empirical journal. And they found that uh, borderline is one of the most commonly underdiagnosed psychiatric conditions. And I've said this before, and I think in the episode on personality disorders, that nowhere in the diagnostic manual, with the exception of antisocial personality disorder can you not diagnose a personality disorder prior to age 18 and many clinicians are, i think are remiss and don't fully grasp the importance of the early identification because in personality theory personality is generally crystallized between five and eight years of age and that is my belief in myself my belief of other people my belief of the world in general and the therefore is the conclusions that i draw so because antisocial can't be diagnosed before 18 there that is not a clinical reason that is a legal reason because at least in the united states you cannot be tried you can be tried as an adult once you turn 18 prior to that it's conduct disorder so if the origins of borderline personality, they begin in early childhood and they stem from insecure attachments and they can come from something that is very overt as dad just kind of pieces out, um, you know, your young child and or parents getting divorced, see a lot of parental fighting. It could be something very innocuous that a person perceives. Uh, the work of Piaget and object permanence relates very much to borderline personality. Um, out of sight, out of mind leads to intense and incredibly in incapacitating and debilitating anxiety. So borderline, uh, I, I've really tried because I think it has um, 
something I was very well trained in from a cognitive behavior perspective. Um, I don't, you know, you guys who follow the program, I don't do much therapy. But I have, I've primarily treated a few people with borderline personality disorder, and I've worked with people who have successfully overcome the disorder. And it is not only treatable, it is curable, and it takes the work. And you all know my perspective differs than Julie's, that I truly believe in the efficacy of cognitive behavioral therapy versus dialectical behavioral therapy. But if you look at borderline as a fragmented sense of self, wherein an individual gives an inordinate amount of power and control to other people in terms of how they define their sense of self, uh, often living their lives like chameleons, constantly morphing into different versions of the self in order to avoid and stave off that perceived um, real or imagined abandonment. Uh, you know, you see, you know, the relationships can be incredibly volatile and they can be incredibly intense in a positive way. But if you're living in a constant state of fear that you are going to be abandoned and you are going to be disappointed, you are going to be hurt, the modus operandi of the borderline mindset, and, and please forgive me for just relegating it to this disorder, just for the sake of conversation, is I will hurt you before you hurt me. And once you get close enough, it feels really good. But one or two things is going to happen. I'm going to push you away because I either don't deserve it or I'm going to push you away because I know this is eventually going to come to an end and it's going to be catastrophic and I can't stand it. So I'll hurt you before you hurt me. Then until the anxiety gets to a point that is incapacitating and debilitating and that fear just is is overwhelming, the individual with borderline personality will engage in behaviors in anything, whether that transcends their better judgment, values, morals, upbringing, whatever, in order to gain that person back. So getting out of a relationship with somebody with borderline can be very difficult because it's like the slot machine, you know it pays out. And you're going to stay there and you're going to take a ton of money out of the ATM more than you probably wanted to because you know that at some point it's going to pay out. And yes, that is Julie chopping avocados in the background. As always, she makes noise. Um, but borderline is something that is – I really want to instill a sense of hope that it you, know, you have to do the work. And in order to, to be, get effective treatment, you have to be with a provider that understands diagnostic criteria, that understands personality theory, understands learning theory, understands uh, attachment theory, understands behavioral psychology. Um, and, you know, this isn't I took a weekend course and I, in, you know, in grad school or I went to a CEU seminar over the weekend and I learned about borderline. No, you have to know how to treat this. And with the right interventions and the right treatment, you can put this disorder behind you. Now, there are often comorbid diagnoses that go along with this, most often anxiety, depression. Um, people have the misconception that anybody who cuts has borderline. Only 40% of people with borderline personality cut. 60% uh, of people who cut don't have borderline personality disorder. And... You know, no surprise what I'm going to say is get a full neuropsych eval. The Rorschach, the thematic perception test, will be able to delineate with such specificity exactly where if there's a personality disorder and how it manifests in an individual. And I'm not just talking uh, specific to, to, to borderline. 
all the personality disorders. Um, so again, it is a relational disorder stemming from early childhood. And you will see the exacerbation of symptoms and the effective or emotional instability in these interpersonal relationships. Um, there can also be transient non-psychotic symptoms like hallucinations and delusions. Um, the, you know, the individual with borderline is constantly plagued by self-doubt. They're constantly plagued by, by, by that fear of abandonment. And that's why people engage in these behaviors that have such a high degree of, of, of um, emotional instability. Um, but it, it's, it, you know, it, again, these intense interpersonal relationships, you know, alternating between I idealize you and then I devalue you. I idealize you and then I devalue you. And, and is an incredibly unstable sense of a self-image. Of, again, that's why I use the term fragmented. It's like, I don't, it's like the, um, um, what's the word? Uh, um, mis misconstructed Venn diagram. I don't know where you, you start and I begin. That's really kind of what, what borderline is. And there's a lot of impulsivity in borderline that can be really, really damaging, uh, like spending, um, uh, hypersexuality, substance abuse, reckless driving, uh, binge eating, uh, anorexia, bulimia. All of those things are about, like the eating disorders, those are all about control. If I can't control my emotions, I can certainly control what I put in or take out of my body. Um, suicidality, uh, a lot of gestures of suicidality uh, and self-injurious behaviors. And a lot of people with borderline will use the threat of suicide in order to maintain their partner in staying in a relationship with them. And that can make it really hard for somebody who is in a relationship to be like, oh my God, I can't leave because they're going to kill themselves. And yes, you know, people often think that borderline is, 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 is strictly a, a female disorder. Absolutely, absolutely not. Men have this disorder at about the same rate as females, according to the, the, the diagnostic, you know, the, the prevalence rates. Um, so it's diagnosed about the same rate. Um, it's just, it sometimes presents itself a little differently. Um, and and the, 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 the mood disturbances is like intense episodes of like dysphoria, which is like sadness, um, anxiety uh, that, that lasts not for a long period of time, but that anxiety is really hedged in and, and interconnected with that, that fear of abandonment, checking the phone. You know, he didn't return my text, uh, you know, she's out with her girlfriends, um, you know, she's cheating on me. So living in a constant state of fear can be incredibly exhausting. And many of the individuals that I've diagnosed and I've worked with will have told me this is incredibly exhausting. Um, there's also a lot of inappropriate and intense anger and, and a lot of difficulty controlling the anger and uh, constant anger, physical fights, verbal fights. And, you know, that, 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 that's that infective, you know, you have the effective component, which is mood, but you can also have a lot of the behavioral dysregulation. And, you know, these individuals are an incredible amount of pain. 
And I think borderline gets a very bad reputation from social media and from just, uh, you know, Hollywood, you know, even bipolar. Uh, oh, you're so bipolar or you're, you're so borderline, which really does a disservice and frustrates me as a neuropsychologist because I've worked with people who are who are struggling with this with this condition. And I think when I when I did the one of the episodes saying that is not only treatable, but it, it is curable. Uh, the influx of people that have reached out to me has been like tremendous. And, and I, I try to get back to as many people as I possibly can. And I will give you the contact information after, you know, this, this episode. But, you know, I definitely wanted to, to, to re, re, revisit this Um there's some evidence that there are genetic components to it. Um, we really haven't quite figured that out yet, but it, you know, uh, family history does does play a factor into this. Um, but it, it it can be a really really difficult disorder for somebody who has borderline personality. Um, you know, it's finding one getting the right diagnosis because it it it, it looks a lot like bipolar. Uh, you can have both. Borderline is often medicated like bipolar, but there is no medication for any of the personality disorders. And this is a disorder that takes work and it takes time. And uh, if, 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 if you are struggling with borderline personality disorder, I would definitely encourage you get the full neuropsych eval and, and get with a clinician who is well-versed in being able to treat this. Um, so, I wanted to, again, what people really kind of asked me was, can you ex- just go over again, like, what, what, are the, what, is a, what is borderline personality really like? And again, I don't have it, but I've done enough, I've been doing this long enough where I, can, I, I, I see it on a very, very frequent basis. And it, I think there's a continuum of it. There's, there's, you know, we, there's a non-clinical term that we have. We call them industrial strength borderlines. And these are individuals that they're almost married to their disorder. They're calling every two weeks that their meds aren't working. They're constantly in and out of the hospital. It, it's almost that they're, they're afraid in some aspects, I think, to get rid of it because they become so familiar with it, even though they're in so much pain because of it. It kind of makes sense. Like, I don't really know what that other side is going to look like. And I've used this term, and it's just a, a term I came up with, calling it like this the space, which is really helping an individual to get into those, those zones of alternative behavioral patterns that are counterintuitive to what a borderline individual would, would generally do in being able to maintain and celebrate the amount of time you could spend in that space. So if you're, if you're so afraid of saying no but you're able to say no, if you can say it and two minutes later you apologize, that, 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 that's progress. The fact that you were just able to say that, that's being in that uncomfortable space, and you build upon that. And once individuals with borderline pathology start to be able to, you know, so that, that, that two seconds will eventually turn into two minutes, which will eventually turn into 10 and 15 and an hour and so on and so forth. So it, it is a very treatable condition, but, you know, people generally come in, you know, for, you know, from a psychiatric perspective of, for the, because of the mood symptoms, I'm depressed, I'm unhappy. And I, I can usually tell by the end of doing like my structured diagnostic clinical interview prior to even doing the testing, what I think the diagnostic picture is. And, um, you know, generally I'm pretty close, um, with, 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 with it being borderline and, um, 
but I want to instill a sense of hope that if you do the work, you can overcome this. And if you are in, in a relationship with somebody, I would certainly encourage you to, to um, get into therapy, uh, get support. The, the, do not equate borderline with people being bad. They are not bad individuals. They, they just have a serious psychiatric condition that, that is treatable. But if you're constantly living your life as a chameleon and you're, you have no sense of self and your sense of self is, if, if it's there, is so dysfunctional and so, so eradicated because you have no, no confidence and no sense of identity and can need that constant reassurance from other people, that is incredibly exhausting incredibly exhausting and again this is this is not me speaking on just but you know from a diagnostic perspective this is speaking from working with so many people who I've diagnosed and worked with who've had this disorder and yes some of the behavior may be egregious it could be volatile it could be you know you know dangerous and high, and high risk and a lot of times you know those high risk behaviors especially in females include hypersexuality and you almost using sex as a commodity to maintain the connectedness with an individual but i think at the at the at the root of it they they are longing for stability even though they may be unwilling to accept a partner saying i love you i will be with you don't worry they they can they can i think accept it at face value but I, I don't think it's able to help in terms of resonating with really being emotionally connected because that fear, you know, if you go back to the episode I did in fear, fear is a powerful thing. Fear will steal your God-filled soul and fill it with devils and dust. And fear is incredibly prevalent in borderline personality disorder. And, you th- and, and the goal of treatment is if you're with, 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 with borderline is they walk a tightrope. And if you can imagine a tightrope, there is no margin for error. And the goal is to make the tightrope into a sidewalk. It is something we call distress tolerance. So if the world comes at you in some way, if, you, if you're on a tightrope, you're going to fall, you're going to fall hard, and you're going to get really hurt. If it's a sidewalk, you got a lot more margin for error to not, not get as hurt or as, or as wounded. So... The psychiatric framework, the personological framework, is where the I am, the others are, the world is, the therefore is, the borderline is, I am unstable. Other people dictate my sense of identity and self. The world is a scary, unpredictable place. Therefore, I will do whatever, whenever, however, and anything I have to do in order to safeguard the fragility of my sense of self and stave off any sense of perceived or real imagined abandonment. To live that life is incredibly, like I said, incredibly exhausting. Um, I don't know if Julie wants to say anything because she was hovering. Yeah, I was, I was going to say something. <clears throat> Hi, guys. Um, I just wanted to kind of go over a little bit about the continuum. I think that that's one of the most important messages anyone can really, um, I hope that people can grasp that borderline personality is definitely on a continuum. I treat people with borderline personality all the time. Very often it's, it's comorbid with depression, um, PTSD, anxiety, it's automatic anxiety um, and depression. So 
we've said this before, someone can present looking like they have bipolarity going on and or PTSD, um, you know, kind of like PTSD looks very much like borderline personality. The important message, though, today, again, is to don't don't be ashamed of this. This is not something that you were born with. This is a personality style you developed in order to survive in the environment you were in. And that is the most important thing to remember. That and some people have it more severely than others. Some people have it really bad. And so many people go misdiagnosed um, for years, decades, and then they finally find out, oh, my God, you know, after all the med trials didn't work the way they'd hoped. Um, medication can definitely help if someone has a comorbidity like, um, you know, de- depression. You know, you can treat that and anxiety. You can treat that as well. There's irritability and agitation. Again, that comes into play. It's sort of like we get a we get a. We get so many phone calls. Um, they're just people who are amazing, just reaching out. And I would say f- probably at least 35 to 40% of the time, it's people calling about a relationship that they're in, um, whether it's a parent or a romantic relationship or a friendship um, or a sibling. Um, you know, these are the people that are calling too, saying, I don't know, I think this makes sense. This makes sense to me. We've had people come, also come, yeah, they do come from all over the place, but um, so relieved to find out because once they hear it, and they know it, it's like, Oh, okay, I get this now. Now I can work on how do I how do I feel better? How do I cope better? And to, I think I've used this metaphor before. It's, it's almost like you're in the middle of a body of water and you can't swim. I think that's just the basic, you're, that's, that's basically what it feels like to have this condition. And it's a very helpless feeling. And it can go from helplessness to hopelessness to rage. And all of it is because they, the people who develop this in their lives don't have the basic coping skills. Um, they don't have the, the ability to, to tolerate distress. And they act out very emotionally. And they are so afraid. And it is in an absolute, almost a cellular level. I mean, it's just, they're so afraid that they act in ways which, like Corey said, the push and pull, the I hate you, don't leave me, um, the suicide threats and attempts. Um, I mean, that this is, you have to figure the skill sets are not there or they're covered over. Um, sometimes, you know, people, the way it's, in a relationship, there's a dance to it. And sometimes people can say things that they, that, that are hurtful to other people. We generally see that people, when they're in a relationship with someone with borderline personality, again, on a continuum, some is more subtle than others. Some are tendencies, you know, borderline tendencies. 
Um, but the, it's, it's like you're walking on eggshells. It's like you're in a minefield and every day is unpredictable and you never know what you're going to, what you're going to walk into. You never know what version of that person's self. It, it most often is a relational issue and it comes up in intimate relationships. Um, and that being said, I treat I have several people I'm treating currently that have been diagnosed with borderline personality, among other things, bipolar, PTSD, anxiety, depression, ADHD even. Um, and they, they are amazing people. They're just the loveliest people in the whole wide world. Borderline personality gets a really bad rap from Hollywood. And I got to say, they do it well. I mean, when you when you look at you know, movies, I've mentioned them before, Glenn Close, Fatal Attraction. We don't have a ton of them, but, um, you know, Girl Interrupted, that's another one. There's probably others that I'm not thinking of right away. But it's really, they, it's, 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 I have a lot of compassion for people who struggle with this because it is in no way like any other thing that goes on in the field of mental health. It is never your fault. It is never, ever your fault. And there's no shame in that game because it's a chemical thing most of the time. But when it comes to personality disorders, that's why when I finally see somebody, you know, if they've been to other providers, there are a lot of providers out there who have a very difficult time because like me, I've been there, done that myself. When I have the definitive diagnosis, it is so helpful for me to work with people with this condition because... I, I can I can have a conversation and develop a therapeutic relationship and say, okay, this is not a medication issue. This is a personality issue. This is what you need to do. Work work on this w- with your therapist or collaborate with the therapist um, and work as a team. That's just and that's you know really just what I wanted to say that it's it's it's. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's something that you learn to do. It's the way you learn to survive in your environment, period. That's it. So um, I hope that this this helps um, anyone who's involved with somebody um, and or anyone who's struggling with this stuff. It's not easy, but it it can be fixed. And usually we're like, thank you all, God bless, and all that. So, uh, not because we don't have a uh, for a paucity of topics, uh, but this is the one, uh, like I said, uh, topic that I get asked about and the most phone calls about. Um, So I just wanted to revisit this again. Uh, I know I've done several other episodes. I'm sure we'll revisit this again because it is complex. Again, I'm I, as a neuropsychologist, I am very adamant about getting a full neuropsych eval because not only does it give you the diagnosis, it's able to flesh out with such specificity how the symptoms manifest idiosyncratic to a person because there are 120 different combinations of borderline personality, just like there are with several of the, um, like even like depression, the same thing. So it, 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 it's a disorder that is relational. It, it stems from uh, early childhood. No, uh, you cannot catch this from somebody. 
Uh, no, you cannot develop this in your late 40s. Um, this starts from early childhood, and that's why I'm so adamant about if you start to see traits or signs, like Julia said, sometimes you can have subclinical symptoms where you're basically, you're not meeting five out of the nine criteria, but there's enough there to say, hey, let's, let's, let's start focusing on treating this before it really turns into the full full disorder. And it really does, like Julie say, go, it goes across whole continuum of how it manifests in a specific individual. But I, I as Julie said and I had said too, it really gets a bad um, connotation. And um, this whole podcast that, you know, doing is about demystifying mental health, destigmatizing it, legitimizing it, and giving a sense of hope. So not to be redundant or repetitive, but I wanted to revisit this disorder because um, I get just the, so many of the questions that people ask and so many of the phone calls and emails that I get. Uh, stay hopeful. Um, it, take, it does take work. I mean, I'm not somebody who tells people what they want to hear. It t it takes work, and it's hard. But the but 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 the payoff is you can put this behind you and live a happy, healthy, and productive life, and your relationships can improve. And I I I've seen this. I've I've not I'm not talking. You know, it's like uh, it's something fictitious. I have seen this in the individuals that I have worked with. It's treatable. It's curable. Um, but like with anything else, if you don't do the work, you're not going to get the results. So thank you guys for listening. Um, I'll think of a topic for next week. Um, got a few of my mind that I wanted to cover. wanted to maybe do intelligence. I said maybe we'll do autism, then some neurochemistry. But always feel free to email me uh, with topics or text me with things that you guys want to learn about. Um, but this, uh, for some reason, is, again, going back to the Carla report, is one of the most underdiagnosed psychiatric conditions um, that's out there. So until next time, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Feel free to reach out to me at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me through Psychology Today. You can even contact me directly. Call me, text me, 617 750 9411 East Coast Standard Time. Um, as I've said, this is my modest version of God's work. Julie and I just try to share our cumulative knowledge to really educate and see it. And especially as a diagnostician, what, what when you see this, it's so different than what you read online and what you see on TV and what you just and just anecdotal things people will say. Uh, but but seeing this as often as I, I have. And as, as many times as I, as I have, um, you know, I feel confident in speaking about this topic. Um, and again, um, therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy is, is the way to go. And, you know, family therapy is also something that is, you know, adjunct family therapy can also be effective depending on where somebody is in, in, in treatment. But I also know from experience that there is a huge sense of relief when you're giving somebody their diagnostic picture and then, you know, being able to explain it in a way that, that legitimizes it, but instills a sense of hope. So until next time, be well, everyone. Um, and that's it. Take care, guys. Bye.